Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we continue our sermon series, Talking in the Dark. Does your prayer life sound like beautiful music? Or do you sound like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal? Maybe you need to join a band. Join us now for the message, The Church Problem. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Does your prayer life sound like beautiful music? Or does it sound a little bit more like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal? Maybe you need to join a band. I have always loved the sound of an acoustic guitar. Summer camp sing-alongs and youth meetings and 60s folk music. The sound of the guitar just, it just touches something that's really deep inside myself. So when I was in junior high school, I decided I wanted to learn to play the guitar for myself. And my brother let me get started with his guitar and he showed me how to read uh, guitar chord diagrams. And from there, I pretty much taught myself. I got my own guitar for Christmas in ninth grade and I continued learning on my own and just kind of trying to imitate what other guitar players did. And I eventually became reasonably proficient at least uh, enough where I was willing to play in front of others. And after a while, I was the one playing at the summer camp sing-alongs and at the church youth meetings, or at least I was one of many. There were actually several in our church who played the guitar, and to be honest, they were all better than me. Still, I was the only girl up there, and playing the guitar was something that I deeply enjoyed, but I did find it frustrating, however, that I just could never get as good as the others. I might add some of them were like semi-professional. So, There were two things though that held me back. Uh, first of all, while I did occasionally play with others, I never spent long periods of time in sustained practice with other people and therefore able to learn new ways and techniques. And secondly, I never had any kind of formal lessons. So in other words, I had very little opportunity to actually learn from others. You see, nowadays, you can go to YouTube and you can pull off countless instructional videos, but I was learning before we even had VCRs. I know. <laughs> I, just, I just aged myself. <laughs> and the younger ones are saying, what's a VCR? But in, back in my day, the only time that we could learn from others was face-to-face. So being self-taught meant there was going to be only so far I could go. I really needed some kind of school. I needed a teacher. I needed a community. Now, there are parallels between learning to play a musical instrument and learning to pray. If you're personally committed to praying and you endeavor to pray regularly, then you will be able to gain some proficiency on your own. But with no instruction and no community you'll never become all that good at it. Now, conversely, the opposite is true. If the only time you play your instrument is when you're with others and you never practice on your own, then you are not going to get very far. (laughs) Said from a band teacher. Uh, Likewise, if the only time you pray is in church or in a group and you never develop a personal prayer life, then your growth in prayer is going to be very stunted. Prayer, like music, is both a personal 
and a communal endeavor. Well, this is the third week in our sermon series on prayer. And we've acknowledged that prayer can be harder than we sometimes like to admit. It's hard for physical, finite beings to pray to an invisible God that, that often answered us, answers us in very ambiguous ways. Now, there are times that prayer can be a wonderful comfort, but if we're honest, there are other times that we pray and we feel nothing, and it seems as if prayer isn't really doing any good. And because there's still so much we don't understand about prayer, it can be tempting to slack off on our prayer life or really just even to quit praying on our own entirely. We have this tendency, as we talked about last week, to both undersell and oversell prayer. We oversell it by making prayer seem like magic. If we just pray the right way with the right words, if we pray harder, if we can get more people to pray, then God is going to fulfill our wishes. And the worst version of this is what gets called the prosperity gospel. If we just pray correctly and we send in a generous donation, God will shower us with material blessings. And furthermore, those material blessings will be a sure sign of God's favor and a sure sign of my righteousness. Well, we oversell prayer, but we also undersell prayer. And ironically, it is the church, I think, that is most to blame for this. We undersell prayer by really rarely, if ever, talking about it. When I first read the book uh, that this sermon series is based on, it asked this question. When was the last time you heard a sermon about prayer or received any kind of instruction about prayer in the church? And at the time, I had to admit, I, I couldn't remember at all the last time I'd heard about a sermon, a sermon about prayer, or I couldn't even remember if I'd ever heard a sermon that was specifically on prayer. And so my realization of that fact back then is, is then one of the reasons that I'm preaching this sermon now. I think it's frequently the case that churches really don't offer much of any real guidance or instruction in prayer. In fact, even most of the time, our congregational prayer, is, it boils down to three words. Sick, safe, success. When we or others are sick, then we offer prayers for healing, and we thank God when there's a resolution to health problems. We pray to remain safe in our travels or in our work, and we pray for success in a particular endeavor. And there's nothing wrong with these kinds of prayers. But I do wonder sometimes what would happen if we ventured into other territories. Because when we limit our prayers to either sick, safe, or success, then that limits the impact of our prayers both on ourselves and others. Now, I was heartened when I first got here at Trinity that Trinity added an additional category to their congregational prayers besides just sick, safe, and success. And that's the category of blessings. We're really good about blessing for birthdays and anniversaries, for graduations and promotions. Uh, we bless when we welcome someone new and when we say goodbye to someone. Um, I treasure the prayer shawl that was blessed and given to me on my first Sunday here at Trinity. And if you've ever been in my office, you may have noticed that I keep it draped over my chair. 
And that way, as I sit there working, I can kind of feel the support of the prayers of the congregation. In fact, since it's actually on my chair, I actually sit on it, which makes me feel like y'all have my backside. <laughs> well, we also here at Trinity extend our prayers to things that are going on in the world, not just for ourselves and our immediate loved ones. And I think praying for the world, for this mission field that God has given us, is one of the church's most important obligations. Because I find that often when we pray for the world, we're then motivated to actually do something out in the world. But while I do think that Trinity does congregational prayer better than, than many churches, there's, there's always room for improvement. And I think as individuals, we may feel that our personal prayer lives aren't all that they could be. And so again, I think a large contributing factor to that is that most churches really don't talk that often about prayer. And I think there's an underlying assumption that the entire church as a whole makes about prayer that I think contributes to this lack of instruction. You see, we assume that prayer is natural. It's like breathing. And everyone naturally knows how to breathe, therefore everyone naturally knows how to pray. I mean, think about it. Have you ever known anyone who claimed that they'd never prayed even once in their lives? Well, in a way, prayer is like breathing. Just as breathing is essential for our physical lives, prayer is essential for our spiritual lives. But perhaps instead of breath, perhaps a better analogy for prayer might be speech. Now, speech is a natural part of being human. We start vocalizing often quite loudly, as soon as we emerge from the womb. Baby, babies vocalize all the time. Even deaf babies will vocalize. And vocalizing is as natural to infants as drooling. But for that vocalization to mean anything, however, babies need to be exposed to language. Adults and older children need to talk to the baby. So that baby will learn to start Notice a connection between specific vocalizations, that is words, and then specific meanings. In other words, while speech may be natural, language must be taught. Likewise, the desire to communicate with a higher power might be innate and inborn. But for that communication to become meaningful, for it to become prayer, then I think we need to be taught the language of prayer. And hopefully this happens in families, but the church usually plays the largest role, or it should. And this instruction in prayer is a lifelong part of a lifetime of discipleship. And we should never stop learning about prayer, because like language, prayer is an acquired skill that you're going to get better and better at with practice. You know, when a baby first says their first words, we don't stand back and, and, and take a breath and say, well, we can relax now. The baby knows how to talk. No, we spend all that much more time then talking to that baby. We continue to teach and encourage the baby so that that baby can become a better and better talker. In fact, uh, you could say that becoming more and more proficient in language is the primary thrust of our entire educational system. As we progress in our educations, we become better and better speakers and readers and writers. 
Because there really isn't any end in just how good you can become at language. There's always new vocabulary to learn. And if, that's not if English is not challenging enough for you, there's plenty of other human languages you can also try your hand at. And so in the same way, the church needs to continue to encourage and to teach us to pray so that we, we can become better and better prayers. So we can become even more proficient then in the language of prayer. And we become better prayers not in order to manipulate God into doing what we want, but in order to become closer and closer to God so that, as Paul said, our minds will grow in us, the same mind will grow in us that was in Christ Jesus. But even though we may use speech and language as an analogy for prayer, we also know that as we grow in prayer, we'll also start to recognize the importance of silence as part of our time with God. I mean, think about how it is in human relationships. Uh, think about particularly, particularly marriage. When you, meet your first, uh, when you first meet your future spouse and you just start to begin to fall in love, you may spend hours and hours just talking to that person. And you'll start talking to that person on a much deeper level than you do with other people. But after a while, as your relationship grows, you'll actually find that there are times of silence between you that becomes comfortable or even familiar. And so this, this kind of silence actually is a sign of greater intimacy, not less. And likewise, as we grow in our relationship with God, silence allows us to hear with the ears of our heart what God may be saying to us. And sometimes that silence just allows us to just, to just be with God. Paul talks about how we should pray without ceasing. And I think many people are confused about what they mean. You know, we can't always be actively engaged in prayer. And occasionally we need to do things like, you know, eating and sleeping and going to work. But I think what it means is that as we learn to incorporate both language and silence as part of our prayer lives, then we can begin to approach that state where we exist in all times in a greater spirit of prayer. So even though we've talked about prayer being a skill that gets better and better with practice, when we begin to reach higher levels of prayer, we begin to realize that prayer is less an activity we engage in and more a way of being in which we exist. And then more and more of our waking hours are spent being in conscious contact with God. And then our lives begin to embody what Paul preached to the Athenians in the book of Acts. For in God we live and move and have our being. Well, even at this stage, however Structured and disciplined times of prayer remain an important part of our spiritual lives for it continues to serve as a foundation for other aspects of our life. We can't just say we're in conscious contact with God or have our being in God while never actually spending any of our time in focused prayer. When learning to play a musical instrument, you can't just say you live in conscious contact with music or you have your being in music. You still have to make time to actually sit down and practice your instrument. Or to paraphrase, if you're familiar with the musical, The Music Man, prayer does not work on the think system. 
but you only find funny if you know the musical Music Man. I would strongly encourage you, if you are not already in the habit of spending some time every day in disciplined prayer, one of the simplest ways to start, it's one of the very simplest ways, is to every day thank God for at least three things in your life. And you might be surprised just how much it can improve your sleep if you do this right before bedtime. Now, of course, even the most spiritually advanced person still sometimes feels as if prayer is just talking in the dark. I mean, just as a long-time marriage has its ups and downs, experiencing an ebb and flow in our relationship with God and our spiritual lives, that's just part of the human condition. But the thing is, spiritually mature persons know to expect this, and they're not blindsided when it happens. They just keep praying until once again they begin to feel the presence of God moving within them. When Jesus cleansed the temple, he quoted from the prophet Isaiah, My house shall be a house of prayer for all peoples. You see, Jesus saw the temple as more a place of prayer than necessarily a place of sacrifice. And moreover, it was a place of prayer for all the nations, for all the people, and not just the Jews, to be in prayer with God. And I think likewise, our churches too should be houses of prayer, maybe even schools of prayer, where all people are welcome, and then all people are guided in lives of prayer. In the meantime, all of us, from the prayer warrior to the prayer baby, can continue to hold on to that promise that the Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words, and that all things continue to work together for the good and the loving purposes of God. Therefore, I implore you, continue to pray wherever you find yourself, for the sound of prayer can travel in both darkness and in light. Amen. Let us now, with the confidence that we have as the children of God, pray the prayer that our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So your action items for this week. It's very specific. Continue to pray for Trinity, which I always say. But thank God for at least three things every day this week. And see if that doesn't make a difference in your life. And so now let us receive this benediction. May you find blessing in prayer this week and sustenance for the journey. And may you be an answer to prayer for others. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you enjoyed and were blessed by today's service. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next Sunday, we'll continue our sermon series, Talking in the Dark. You'll find audio recordings of all our services on our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. Remember, we're now worshiping both in person in our sanctuary as well as online. God bless you in the week ahead, and we'll see you Sunday 
at Trinity United Methodist Church.